You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. The title of this week's lesson is The Lord Labors With Us, and it covers Jacob 5 through 7. Well, the fun just never stops this year. (laughs) Last Thursday, I put out my podcast and went about my day. And by that evening, I'd found out that church was canceled and my three college kids were headed home for the weekend. I have a son at BYU-Idaho and a son and a daughter at BYU-Provo, and they came home for the weekend so that we as a family could kind of regroup and figure out what our next steps needed to be. And all three of my college kids have now gone back to their apartments. They're going to attempt to finish their school semesters online and just do the best they can. I think they all felt like at least being close to the school and to the people and facilities there and carrying on with their lives as normally as they can was probably a good idea. And I agree. One thing that I've found really interesting over the past several days is that as the world encourages and maybe has the need for social distancing and isolation, the church has come out with messages about the need to stay connected. And I'm sure most of you saw the email that came out from the church on Sunday that was titled Connect with Christ. And it talked about how connecting with others can help them connect with Christ and that we need to share with others how we hear the Savior in our lives. President Worthen, who is the president of BYU Provo, had a great message for all of the students about staying connected with each other and their professors, even if it's just virtually, and to call a friend and to be aware of anybody who might be struggling. And to me, these are really peaceful messages. There are so many positive things that we can do to share with others, even as we're supposed to be keeping our distance right now. If we can't attend the temple, we can do indexing. If you normally teach a class at church, text all or some of the people in the class and see how they're doing, or share a short message from the lesson that you would have taught. Check on your ministering people and make sure they have what they need. Post a positive message on social media. Call your grandma, call your neighbor, (laughs) make a treat for someone and drop it off at their house. Do random acts of kindness with your kids. Reaching outside of ourselves will help us and those we reach to be happier and to stay positive. And if you need a good talk to read, you should read Joy and Spiritual Survival from President Nelson. It is one of my favorites. A few days ago, Bonnie H. Corden, who is the Young Women General President, made a Facebook post where she said, to paraphrase C.S. Lewis, let's find ourselves doing sensible and human things. I want to, you want to, and the Savior has shown us the way. Let's go and do in whatever simple and loving way we can. And I guess that's this week's motivational message. I don't know when my weekly motivational messages became a thing, but so far this year, I haven't had a week yet where I didn't need one. (laughs) So there you go. This week, we are reading Jacob 5, which happens to be the longest chapter of the Book of Mormon. And as I was thinking about this chapter and how it's really not one of my favorites because it's really long and somewhat obscure, it gets hard to follow about three quarters of the way in. I'm like, what? What trees, branches? What are we talking about? I read something interesting this week that talked about how this chapter is a pretty good evidence that the Book of Mormon is true, which is something I hadn't really considered too much before. This is a really long parable, and it's very complex. And do you think that Joseph Smith, with his very limited education, just made this up? This allegory was very inspired. Jacob found this story on the brass plates, and it had been written by a prophet named Zenos. So why did he use an olive tree? I read that the olive tree is an evergreen tree. Its leaves don't fade and fall with the seasons. 
and it needs to be cultivated and taken really good care of, or it can grow wild and the fruit can become corrupted. You have to take really good care of these trees, and it takes a long time for the olive trees to bear fruit. And in the book, Christ in the New Covenant, it says this, As Lehi himself taught, no symbol could serve more powerfully and profoundly of God's expansive, constant, redeeming love, including especially the love represented in the gift of his only begotten son, than does the olive tree. A main theme of this story is the Lord's love and concern for each one of us. Over and over again, it talks about how the Lord of the vineyard, who is the Savior, watches over and takes care of the branches, which symbolize the different groups of people on the earth. Joseph Fielding Smith said, In the parable, the olive tree is the house of Israel. In its native land, it began to die. So the Lord took branches like the Nephites, the lost tribes, and likely others that the Lord let off that we do not know anything about, to other parts of the earth. He planted them all over his vineyard, which is the world. And I think this story is a great one for Jacob to share with his people because it kind of explains some of their history and it's very relevant to them. Jerusalem was destroyed and the Lord knew that it would be. So he took Lehi's family or one of the branches and moved them to another part of the vineyard, which was the promised land. And another theme I found as I was reading this chapter is that the Lord of the vineyard is in charge and he has a plan. The things he does have a purpose. They're not just random. And that's maybe a good thing for us to think about right now with all the things going on in the world. He put specific branches in the right places at the right times. Our Heavenly Father and our Savior know us and they care about us and the things that are happening in our lives. And they're very aware of our circumstances right now and everything that we might be going through. The Lord of the vineyard works really hard to help his trees be successful. He digs, he prunes, he fertilizes. He gives them all the help that he can. Our Savior is alongside of us every step of the way throughout our lives and in our efforts in gathering and sharing the gospel. He never leaves us alone in that. In verse 21, the servant questions the Lord of the vineyard about why he planted one tree in poor ground. And the Lord says in verse 22, Counsel me not. I knew that it was a poor spot of ground. Wherefore, I said unto thee, I have nourished it this long time, and thou beholdest that it hath brought forth much fruit. The Lord of the vineyard knows his trees. It doesn't matter that they were planted in poor ground because the Lord knew about it and was there to make up the difference for the poor ground so that the tree could thrive and bring forth good fruit. And that's just like with us. Our Savior makes up the difference for us. Just like we learned a couple of weeks ago, he is the way. This parable also teaches me that we need to bloom where we're planted. The Lord has put us all here on the earth at this time and in this place for a reason. And it doesn't matter where we live or the circumstances of our lives. Each one of us has the ability to lift and share wherever we are. And our Heavenly Father and our Savior are there to help us in all of these efforts. Another thing I learned from this parable is that in order to bear successful fruit in our lives, we need a strong root system. I found this quote from President Kimball that I think really applies to all of us right now. He said, It seems that some Latter-day Saints among us want bountiful harvests, both spiritual and temporal, without developing the root system that will yield them. There are far too few who are willing to pay the price, in discipline and work, to cultivate hardy roots. Such cultivation could begin in our youth. Little did I know as a boy that daily chores in the garden, feeding the cattle, carrying the water, chopping the wood, mending fences, and all the labor of a small farm was an important part of sending down roots before being called on to send out branches. I'm so grateful that my parents understood the relationship between roots and branches. Let us each cultivate deep roots so that we may secure the desired fruits of our welfare labors. And you know, a lot of us are home with our children right now. 
What a good opportunity to help them develop some deep roots. Maybe teach them how to do indexing. Take them with you to help a neighbor. Have them teach part of your Sunday meeting at home. Help them make or continue their goals in the new youth program. Teach them a new skill. It's so easy to just stick everyone, including ourselves, in front of a screen. I am very well aware of this fact. But we can and we probably need to do more. And if you don't have kids at home, all of these activities are great for adults too. I think this extra time that we may have is an awesome opportunity for some self-reflection and self-improvement. Who are you becoming during this time and who will you be once this is over? This time that we are all staying home is going to pass anyway, so we might as well make the most of it and make it as positive of an experience as we can. I think there's good to be found in every situation if we just look for it. Towards the end of this story, the Lord invites other servants to come in and help in his vineyard. In verse 61, it says, Wherefore, go to and call servants that we may labor diligently with our might in the vineyard, that we may prepare the way, that I may bring forth again the natural fruit, which natural fruit is good and the most precious above all other fruit. And this is the Lord asking us as members of the church to help gather his people. And that is a responsibility of each one of us. Reading this made me think about President Nelson's devotional with the youth a couple of years ago, where he said, My dear extraordinary youth, you were sent to earth at this precise time, the most crucial time in the history of the world to help gather Israel. There is nothing happening on this earth right now that is more important than that. There is nothing of greater consequence, absolutely nothing. This gathering should mean everything to you. This is the mission for which you were sent to earth. That's pretty powerful. And then Sister Nelson spoke and she said, No one will make us. We have our agency to choose how we spend our time and energy, our talents and our resources. In fact, what we choose to do is actually part of our testing. The choice is yours and mine. Will we choose to do whatever it takes to fulfill the wonderful missions for which we were sent to earth? And those talks may have been focused on the youth, but I really think this counsel applies to every single one of us as members of the church, especially as parents or grandparents of those youth They follow our lead, and we need to set the example. In the end, the Lord of the vineyard saves and preserves as much fruit as he can. And then he asks three times, what more could I have done for my vineyard? Elder Holland said this, After digging and dunging, watering and weeding, trimming, pruning, transplanting, and grafting, the great Lord of the vineyard throws down his spade, his pruning shears, and weeps, crying out to any who would listen, what more could I have done for my vineyard? What an indelible image of God's engagement in our lives. What anguish in a parent when his children do not choose him, nor the gospel of God that he sent. So the vineyard didn't need to be burned because the person in charge was lazy or not paying attention or was busy with other things. The immense help that was offered was not accepted. Our Heavenly Father can only bless us as much as we allow him into our lives. We need to choose him and choose those things that will allow his help and his blessings to be active in our lives. I think this challenging time that we're living in right now is an awesome opportunity to check our personal commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Sunday comes around and we don't have to get ready at a certain time and leave our homes to go to church, what's most important to us on that day? When we can't attend the temple or fulfill our church callings, what do we do to fill that extra time? What is our personal commitment when there's not someone right there expecting anything of us? What does our Heavenly Father expect of us, and what do we expect of ourselves? 
In Jacob chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, Jacob says, O then, my beloved brethren, repent ye, and enter in at the straight gate, and continue in the way which is narrow, until ye shall obtain eternal life. O be wise, what can I say more? Definitely lots of good things to think about in the allegory of the olive tree. In Jacob chapter 7, we totally change gears and read about a man named Sherem. Sherem was a smooth talker who came around during Jacob's time, and he was trying to lead the people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he couldn't convince Jacob. In chapter 7, verse 5, it says, And he had hoped to shake me from the faith, notwithstanding the many revelations and the many things which I had seen concerning these things, for I truly had seen angels, and they had ministered unto me. And also I had heard the voice of the Lord speaking unto me in very word from time to time, wherefore I could not be shaken. So when I read this, I thought of Laman and Lemuel. They had also seen a lot of amazing things. They had seen angels, but they just never seemed to quite get it. So what made the difference that Jacob's faith was so strong that it could not be shaken? And I think it all comes down to personal conversion. Jacob was committed because he chose to do what he was asked, and he put the promises of the Lord to the test, and he trusted them. He did the work, and he knew who he was and whose he was. And he was fully committed to that so that when someone came along and challenged his beliefs, it was not a crisis of faith for him because he could stand firm in his convictions. He actually had convictions and had determined within himself not to waver from them. I love his strong statement and his example of faith. And he used that faith to share his testimony with Sherem. But Sherem was having none of it and actually challenged God by asking for a sign. And here's a pro tip. Don't ever do that. (laughs) Joseph F. Smith said, Show me Latter-day Saints who have to feed upon miracles, signs, and visions in order to keep them steadfast in the church, and I will show you members of the church who are not in good standing before God, and who are walking in slippery paths. It is not by marvelous manifestations unto us that we shall be established in the truth, but it is by humility and faithful obedience to the commandments and laws of God. (laughs) That's pretty plain. It's just not a good idea to ask for a sign. And we can see that through the rest of this story as Sherem fell to the earth, and it says that he was nourished for the space of many days. So then finally, one day, Sherem wakes up and gathers the people together and basically apologizes and tries to repent for all the trouble he caused. And then he died. (laughs) This story is a pretty stark example of why it's important to stay on the right path and to stick with what we know and don't stray from that. There are all kinds of voices in the world telling us to pay attention to whatever thing is going on, but we need to be like Jacob. Remember who we are and that we have a purpose, that we have a Heavenly Father and a Savior that we can trust. They never change and they never leave. As we've seen lately, the world changes on a daily basis, sometimes an hourly basis. People are quick to freak out and buy copious amounts of toilet paper for no apparent reason. (laughs) But we need to just stand still and be like Jacob and not be shaken. We are going to make it through this and through all of our challenges. (laughs) The Lord knows each one of us and how the craziness of the world is personally affecting each one of our lives. And if we stick with him, there is no reason to be afraid. And that's what I've learned this week. I want to thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to my thoughts. I hope that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you're able to have a peaceful day and a peaceful week. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at Come Follow Me Weekly, or you can email me at cfmweekly at gmail.com.